Hey, Anchor family, welcome to our podcast. We wanted to thank you for listening today. We pray this message encourages you, that it inspires you, pray it builds your faith and brings you hope. Enjoy the message. You can be seated. You can be seated. Come on, put your hands together one more time for the band. So good to be here with you tonight. I'm excited to share this word with you. I've, I've been dealing with a lot of regret this past week. I'll tell you a little bit why. Because uh, I set out this year to make sure that I change my eating habits. I said, this is the thing that I'm going to do. My eating habits are crazy. I have wild eating habits. I come from a family that eats all night long. That's what we do. Latin people, if it's 11 o'clock at night and you're awake, you think in your mind, wouldn't a quesadilla be good right about now? And then we think about having a cup of coffee, and then it's over. We're there till 1, 2 in the morning. We don't get any sleep. We're tired, and we're full of anxiety, and we don't know why. I thought, if I could just change my eating habits, that'll be the beginning of some change in my life. I wonder if you've been wondering about some habits in your life that you've been trying to change. I wonder if you started 2024 and you said, these are some things I don't want to carry into the year. I want to stop doing this. I want to make sure I do more of that. I want to walk more. Anybody set, set a goal to, to walk more, to get on your feet more, maybe walk around your block a little bit, maybe not eat as much red meat in 2024. That's really hard for us Hispanics. We're always eating some kind of fajita meat, but I mean, maybe that's a goal that you had and this week, I found myself this past week struggling with it because the Lord decided to send a freeze to our city. And when there's a freeze in your city, what we do as Hispanics is we go to our parents' house and we eat. <laughs> my mom sent a picture to us one night and said, I thought y'all were coming. And it's a line of my family at the, at the stove eating food. And I was like, why well, already ate? But that looks really good. So we'll just head on right over. And that was the domino that just set me off. I said, well, I mean, it is a freeze. Ain't no one walking or exercising right now. No one is at home making, you know, broccoli and chicken. We're all eating bad. We're all failing. Let's fail together. Let's just do this. And so I started to make mistake after mistake. And I just got really down because I want to see not just change for a couple days, but lasting change. And I don't know if that was something that you endeavored to see in your life this year, not just change for a couple weeks in January, but change that lasts lasts longer than a month, lasts longer than six weeks, gets you past the summer, and where you can get back into the end of 2024 and say, I've done it. And I wonder if you want to see lasting change, if you would believe that the Bible actually gives us some things that we can look at to help us achieve some lasting change. There are some areas in the Bible that are actually very good for us to look into whenever it comes to 
learning different things that we have to do to add into our daily habits so that we can see change. Because it starts with your habits. What you do every day, it contributes to the bigger picture. And not just having healthy goals, but having healthy habits, that's what we need. And so if we're going to start the year in a, in a way like this series, New Year, but realizing it's the same me, we need to probably add some new habits into our life so that we can see a different us in 2024. Last week we were in Ephesians and we were talking about putting on the new self. That through Jesus Christ, us, each one of us, we have a new self available and we have a choice whether or not we want to put it on every single day or not. And, and it's as easy as making a mental decision that today I am picking this new self and I'm putting it on and at the same time putting aside the old self. Those old habits. If you would read on into Ephesians uh, it says right after the verses that we studied last week, so because you're putting on the new self, don't do this, don't do that. Started to give us little things that we can change. I want to give you just a couple habits today, really fast, just something that you can, that you can employ in your life as you want to see change. And it's found in the book of Psalms, and it's actually found in the longest book in the whole Bible, in the longest chapter in the whole Bible, it's in Psalm 119. And crazy enough, even though it's the longest chapter, I know what you're thinking. We're going to go through this whole chapter, I know, Ralph. We're not. We're going through two verses. But these two verses are really important. And I think that they're important for our lives when it comes to seeing change happen. David is writing, and he wants change. David struggled with not being consistent in what he wanted to happen in his life and what he was actually doing. He would say, God, I want to do these things for you, but then David would struggle and he would fail. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself in that place. God, I want to do these things. I want to accomplish these things in my life. I want to get closer to you. I want to experience more joy. I want to read more. I want to attend church more. I want to serve more. I want to be good to people. I want to be more generous towards others. I want to help those who are hurting. And then you find yourself struggling. David found himself in that spot. And in two verses, he gives us maybe two to four different things that we can insert into our life if we want to see real lasting change. And it's found in Psalm 119, verses 112 to 114. That's right. I said 112 through 114, this is the longest chapter in the longest book in the Bible. This is David. He says, verse uh, 12, 112, it just reminds me of that band, 112. Remember 112 and all my, any of my 90s people in here? I, I want to sing the song, but I'm not going to do it. Unless you know the song and I'll sing with you. 112, can't help myself. It says this, I'm going to read 112 all the way to 114. It says, David says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. David opens up and he says, I want lasting change all the way until the end. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait 
for your word. David says in verse 112, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even unto the end. The goal for David is I want to I be able to keep his God's statutes. I want to be able to do the things that God wants me to do. And, and that's, just, that's a good goal for Christians. To want to keep God's law, to want to perform in a way that would be pleasing to God because we want to please him, not because he wants us to perform. David is saying, I want to perform your statutes forever. I I want to do what you say, and I want to do this until the end of my life. He says, and for me to do that, verse 112, I have inclined my heart. David is saying, if you want to be able to accomplish the things that you set out to do, you have to learn to incline your heart. It's a funny It's a funny set of words that David uses here because what he's saying is, is that I have the responsibility and no one else to get the job done. He says, I have inclined my heart. I am the one that's in charge of my heart. Did you know that you're in charge of your heart? You may be wondering, I thought you were trying to help me find habits that would help me accomplish the goals that I have. Why are we talking about my heart? Because if change doesn't start in your heart, it doesn't matter if change started in your head. Have you ever had a great idea? I think I'm going to do this tomorrow. I think next week I'm going to do this. I think next week I'm going to do that. But then it never happened because the change was only an idea. It wasn't a desire from your heart. You're not hearing me. You can have all of the greatest ideas for 2024, but if you don't believe it in your heart and have a passion in your heart to see it happen, it's not going to make itself out. David said, I want to do these things, and so I have to start with the position of my heart. He says, I have inclined my heart. When I look at this wording, David is saying that he is setting his heart to a heavenly position. I don't know if you work out. I know Colin does, and he probably knows where I'm going with this. Have you ever been on an inclined bench press? An incline bench press is not a flat bench press. When you get on a bench press, you can do three things. You can be flat, you can be declining, or you can be inclined. One of the hardest ones that you can do, but one of the ones that gives you the most results is an inclined bench. So if you want to get more production from your time on the bench, you don't work when the bench is flat and you don't work when it's declined. You incline it. You set it up. And he says, the position of my heart, I have to set it up. It's funny because what he's saying is the position of my heart isn't up. My heart is not inclined, is not in a heavenly position. It is probably declined. And if you know David enough, you know the man, he was emo before there was emo. David struggled 
and was very melancholy and he got down and he got depressed and he wanted to die and he felt anxious and he could not really find victory within himself because every time he would have a victory, there would be another difficulty. A victory and then a difficulty. A victory and then a difficulty. News flash for everyone who is a believer. That's your life. I was thinking about David when I was thinking about this psalm and I was thinking about the greatest victory David ever had. Do you remember the greatest victory David ever had? I bet you have an idea of what it is. It's one word. Starts with a G. Ends with Goliath. Goliath. When we think about David, we think about his battle against Goliath. The battle against Goliath was like the greatest victory you could ever achieve. One-on-one fight. Winner take all. Loser that nation runs away and never comes back again. Th- those were the terms, John. One-on-one, and the loser loses and leaves and never comes back. David won the victory. Little child against a nine-foot-tall giant. And the Bible says he has a great victory and that actually the, the, the Philistines fled and that David chased them for miles and miles and miles And the Bible says that they all celebrated because the Philistines were gone. You think, well, that's that's it. The Philistines are over with. Do you know that the Bible says right there after David chases them away, when there was war again with the Philistines, David won a battle and his reward for winning that battle was another battle with the same enemy who swore to never come back. That's the way life is. You win a battle, you celebrate, you think it's never going to happen again, and then it shows up on your doorstep at 7 a.m. the next day. David is writing this, and he says, I'm, I'm down. I don't feel good about where I am. My heart is declined. It's not facing a heavenly position. I'm not happy All of the time. I wonder if you know what David feels like when I say his heart is in decline. Have you faced sadness? Have you faced moments of depression or anger or fear? David says, I have to incline my heart because my heart is in the decline. He says, I have to incline my heart if I'm going to see a change. He says, I can't just accept how I feel today and let my feelings determine what I do. And if we're honest, and if I'm honest, my feelings determine what I do depending on what I feel every single day. Depending on the email that I get, the phone call, the situation that I have to face, it will determine how I deal with my day. And and David is saying, no, no, no. You don't have to let your situations that come up every single day. I've been there. I've won the battle and yet had to face the same enemy over and over again. You don't have to let that bring you down into a place of decline. You are in charge of your heart and you can incline your heart. You and I, we are in charge of our heart. Do you know what the Bible says in Proverbs? Guard your heart. Guard it. Why would we have to guard it if it was safe? Newsflash. Your heart is not safe. 
The enemy wants to bring you down. And you only guard what is valuable. Your heart is so valuable, David is saying, if you want to get through this period of testing and trial, guard your heart. Make sure nobody gets access to it and hurts it. You need to guard your heart and trust that the Lord is in control. You need to take charge of your heart. He says, I inclined my heart to perform the statutes of God. Here's a simple thing for us to do. We need to remind ourselves that it is our job and our job alone to deal with our heart. David says, heart change has to happen before behavioral change happens. Because behavioral change can only come if your heart's in it. I wonder if anyone's ever said this to you. Was your heart in it? Is your heart really in this? David is saying, get your heart in it. Don't just put it on a piece of paper and say, these are the 10 things I want to accomplish. No, set your heart to a place where you know the desire of your heart is my family will be closer this year. In my heart, I want that. Me and God will have more intimacy this year. It's in my heart. He says, I have inclined my heart. If I'm going to see the kind of change that I want throughout the year, then my heart, you have to understand, this is what you need to know. Throughout this year, throughout your day, your heart is going to be tempted to get declined. The trouble that's going to happen every single day is going is to tempt you to lower your position when it comes to your heart. And maybe it's something like discouragement at work. Maybe it's something like despair because you don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe it's dysfunction in your family. It will tempt you and it will tempt your heart. David is saying, I have to incline my heart because my heart is important if I'm going to get the job done. You know, uh, a couple months ago, my dad, I get a call, and it told, the person on the line told me, your dad is in the hospital, and we don't know what's going on. We think it's his heart. We go to the hospital, we're there, my dad's fine, and they're like, well, we don't really know what's going on, and Talk to my dad. He goes, I was doing good. Everything was fine. Drinking my coffee. Everything was great. Stay there for hours and hours and hours for them to tell us my dad had a heart attack. And I just remember us looking at each other and said, we would have never known. We would have never known that this man had a heart attack. A couple weeks later, a good friend of ours here in this church had a heart attack. His wife came to me and said, look at him. Now listen, that's, I don't know what to think about that when she says that. What is she trying to say? She says, he looks great. Looks very good. I would have never known that he had issues in his heart. He's in shape. He looks great. I started to think about our heart and how it's inside 
And what's inside is always hidden from what's outside. And maybe you don't know that your heart is down. The outside can look good. Your Instagram feed can be great. But deep down, your heart is down. Your wall is covered with degrees, but deep down, you're on the verge of a heart attack. You're married, you have a great home, you have nice cars, you have a savings account, but deep on the inside, you're actually really sad. What happens to your heart eventually shows itself on the outside. And the condition of our heart will matter for the goals that we have in 2024. And I think that God is going to help us set up our heart in the right direction. If we would just remember that our heart's posture is important. Set up your heart, he says, in an inclined position. I set my heart, incline it to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. He says, I, I have long-term goals. I want to I fulfill them all the way until the end. He's made a decision that he's going to see it through. As you start this year, make those decisions. I'm going to make a decision to see this through and not give up just because I didn't go to the gym this week. I'm just going to give up. I, I'm going to give up because I ate that extra piece of donut that they brought to the office. Those kolaches are so good. I ate three. I'll, this, is what, this, is famous. this is a famous line in my family. We'll start again on Monday. See, all of y'all are laughing. It's the same thing. We'll start again on Monday. David says, no, make a decision that you're going to do this all the way to the end. Verse 13, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your Law. This is a tricky scripture. David is using powerful language here. He's saying, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. He's saying, I have a love-hate relationship going on. He's saying, I, I hate those who are double-minded. What David is saying is, I, I don't like people who go back and forth. They don't stick to the plan. They don't push through. We're going to push through. And David's saying, I, I hate that. And here's something I want you to apply into your life. Because when you read this, you're probably saying, that's a, that's a strong word. I tell my kids all the time, don't ever say I hate that. But I realized how wrong I am. David has a healthy hate right here. He has a healthy hate. He says, I hate double-mindedness. And I'm here to tell you that there are things in your life that you should hate. I think that you can't really change until you actually hate some things. I don't think there will ever be real change in your life unless you learn to hate some things. There are certain things I know in my life, certain actions and behaviors, that if I don't learn to hate them, I won't ever fully try to release myself from them. So David is saying, I have a hate thing and a love thing. It reminds me of food. I love food. I love it. Every part of it, I love. Struggle with it. It's my biggest vice. When I have found myself waking up at 3 in the morning 
And because I'm awake, if I'm down, I'll go eat. It's, it's the truth. It's become a habit of mine. If I'm sad, I'll wake up at 2, 3 in the morning, and I have to eat something. Because it'll make me feel better. And in the moment, I love it. But the next day, I hate it. It's a healthy hate. I love the way it tastes. I hate the way it feels. Here's what I need you to understand. There are some things in your life that you need to learn to hate. There are some areas of your life that you have to start hating if you're going to see real change. I hate the way eating so much makes me feel. It's when I embrace that that I can make a better decision to not eat so much. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll say it this way. I love tacos. Amen. I love tacos. I just hate what they do to my body. That makes sense? I don't hate tacos. I love them. But I also hate what they do to my body. I love what tacos do for me. I hate what they do to me. Now, this is just a regular illustration I can give you, but there are some things in your life that you can actually add that to. There are some momentary things that feel good in the moment that you'd enjoy, but deep down you hate. Because I feel like, if we were honest, you would say, I hate the shame that I feel from this. I hate the anger that I feel towards myself because of this. It's, it's like, I love Whataburger runs at one in the morning. I hate how Whataburger runs feel at three. You gotta understand, I have a love-hate relationship with carbs. Every time I go get a Whataburger, I gotta get an extra set of fries. Because I love them. And every time I order them, I say, I'm gonna hate the way I feel after I eat them. This is what you and I have to come to grips with. There have to be some things in 2024 that you say, I love it, but I also hate it. I hate it. I hate the outcome that comes from this. You can fill in the blank with whatever it is that you love that you also know that you should hate. What do you love that you should also hate? There are some things in your life that you have, been, you have been loving that have caused your heart to be on a decline. And unless you start hating it, you'll never set your heart in the right direction. Maybe this is what I've learned. This is why God lets us hit rock bottom every once in a while. You ever wonder, man, why? Why me? Have you, is it, is, have you ever said, why is this happening to me. Why so much on my shoulders? I feel that sometimes God will let us hit the bottom so that we'd hate it. Do you hear me? The reason that we feel the way we feel, God is saying, good. Can you hate it now? Hate it so that you never go back. 
hate the way you feel after you call that person at three in the morning so that you never call them again. Hate the way you feel when you get on that website so that you never go back again. God is trying to wake us up, not just to new things that we should love, but old things that we should hate. David says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. What are some things that you're saying today? You know what? I love this, but I don't love what it does to me. So I'm going to learn to hate it so that we never have to go back there again. Because as soon as you learn to hate that, look, have you ever, have you, have you ever ate something that you know you shouldn't have, hate, you know you shouldn't have eaten? Well, you, and you'll never do it again because you hate the way it felt. That's what David is saying. You got to learn to hate these things. If you're going to see lasting change, incline your heart and then you've got to know what to hate. David says, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. Then David says something that I think is real special. We'll end here. We'll put the band up here and we'll get going. He says in verse 114, he says, you are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. Here's what I think David is trying to say. Because if you look at this text, David is saying, as I am pursuing following God, and as I have the goal of doing this all the way to the end, the only way I'm going to do it is if I learn to incline my heart that I need to recognize that there are some things in my life that are going to bring my heart down and I'm in charge of my heart. I have to put my heart in a position where God is focused. Then I have to learn what I don't like anymore. I have to actually get to a healthy place of hate. Then, he says, I have to know where to hide. You would think this is strange coming from a, a warrior like David, but David says, you are my hiding place. Here's what I want to say to you. I know you've been fighting with whatever it is that you're fighting with. What is the thing that you are battling? David says, I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, and the one thing I need is not a better offensive strategy but a defensive one. He says, I need to learn where to hide. And so do you. He says, you are my hiding place. Here's my question for you. Do you know where to hide? Doesn't sound like it's something that will help you accomplish your goals. Oh, but it will. In the moments where you're facing the most sadness, the most disappointment, the most struggle, because in this year, you will face those moments. He says, in that moment, do you know where to hide? He says, you are my hiding place. Then he says, and my shield. Newsflash, you don't need a shield unless you're being attacked.
David is saying, you're not my offensive weapon. You're not my spear. You're not my bow and arrow. You're not even my sword. He said, you serve best as my shield. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and listening to this message. We trust that God will use this to speak to you and meet you where you are. Thank you so much for supporting this church through listening to us on Spotify. You can continue to stay connected with us to be in the know about what's happening here at The Anchor by following us on Facebook and Instagram at YourAnchorHTX. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, we invite you to visit our site at YourAnchor.org give. It's because of you and your generosity that we can reach the lost and deliver the hope of Jesus to people around the world. So we thank you. Anchor family, we love you. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.